what we find is getting involved in our community has been our certainly the best thing we do. Whether there's a return on it or not, it's the thing I think that we're most proud of. I'm Dr. Chris Setta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. Ben Fishbein. How you doing today, Ben? Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be part of your first podcast. Ah, uh, thank you. And where are we today? We are sitting at the Margaritaville Beach Hotel in beautiful Pensacola, Florida, uh, looking over the, the water after our Fishbine Fundamentals course. Yeah, that is, I think we've got a nice relaxing environment for podcasts. I know a lot of podcasts people will do over sort of a Skype or a go-to meeting, but uh, I decided we're going to do this in person. We are, we are sitting here right next to each other looking uh, at the sand and the water and... Beautiful and, Pensacola Beach. And if it weren't for coronavirus, we'd be holding hands right now. Uh, well, I, yeah, that's a whole nother, a whole nother subject. Yeah. yeah, a whole nother subject, exactly. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to meet you this weekend at uh, Fishbine Fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, meeting you for the first time. Uh, Chris is obviously joking. We've known each other for more than a decade. Went to residency together, um, have been great friends ever since, have kept in touch closely. Uh, it's been certainly interesting for us to uh, keep track of each other's journeys. And I think that means we have a lot of dirt on each other, too. So much dirt. So much dirt. So yeah. much. We can't yeah. even really discuss that. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the themes of my podcast is we're a little more laid back. Again, we're sort of recording this at the beach. And uh, we have a beverage today, right? Absolutely. Uh, beverage that you used to uh, make uh, when we were in residency together, uh, Tom Collins. Tom, uh, Tom Collins, that's right. So tell our listeners what goes in a Tom Collins. Do you have any idea? <laughs> for as many times as, as you've made this drink for me, I still don't know what goes in it. Well, any time in residency, Ben wanted a cocktail. He said, can you make me that Tom Collins? And, you know, Tom Collins is very much like a, just like a vodka Collins, right? So you can, you can make your mix with uh, lemon juice, simple syrup. Uh, a Tom Collins happens to have gin instead of vodka. And the reason they call it a Tom Collins is because it used to have Old Tom gin in it, which is very different than the London dry style of gin. Uh, uh, the Old Tom style was a little sweeter, had sort of an orange essence to it, and supposedly named after a Tomcat. So cheers to that. Cheers. And uh, I'm drinking a uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA from New Belgium, uh, even though I wish I sort of had a Tom Collins as well. So let's jump into the interview here, Ben. So we, you finished up your talk today, which was really great. So the title of your talk, Stuff We Hear from Orthodontists, and stuff was spelled S-H-I-T. Is that <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do some talks. I did, I'm doing the AAO this year, um, maybe five or six other meetings. But at this meeting, I get to kind of... Uh, I get to be a little bit less PC. So, uh, yeah, the talk is shit we hear from other orthodontists. And it was a very revealing talk. And I, th I think you tried to sort of maybe challenge some traditional thought models in orthodontics and, and maybe just poke at the status quo a little bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's this uh, mindset that's, that's out there. And, you know, it's really limiting what people uh, have the potential to do in their orthodontic practice. You talked about how orthodontists often will offer one sort of down payment and payment plan. And then if the patient says, 
you know what, I really can't afford that. Then the orthodontist slips out the secret payment plan. What, what's your thought on that? Yeah, that was, you know, one of the one of the topics is we really are non-transparent. I'm talking about orthodontists in general are non-transparent about our pricing. Uh, it's very tricky. Even the, the sliders uh, that people use uh, that are available where they're trying to guess a down payment and a monthly payment, you know, I think that price transparency is coming to orthodontics and certainly uh, what I would call payment plan transparency is, is coming. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I think at some point orthodontists will probably advertise their fees on the website, even if it's sort of a base fee. But I, I think price transparency is important with any type of shopping, right? I, I think we sort of owe it to our patients. Well, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tricky because... You know, I don't think a, a six-month case should be the same fee as a case that takes 24 months. It just, sure. it's, it's more visits. So it's very difficult to be transparent. However, you know, one of the most common questions that an orthodontic office will get is, well, how much does it cost? And that's a question we're unable to answer on the phone. So if you're unable to answer a total cost question, at least you could answer it in the terms of a payment plan, meaning... Well, your down payment will be this much, and our monthly payments are as low as this much. Yeah, I, th- I think that totally makes sense, um, you know, because you don't know how long of a case that patient's going to be, right? For sure. Or I, do they even have teeth? I mean, we <laughs> talked about that today. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, Ben, you're really known for your marketing. I think it's, it's one of the things that people sort of associate with you. Um, tell me a little bit about marketing. Well, let me ask you this question. What do you think orthodontists allocate uh, in terms of percentage of their collections to spend on marketing? What would you say the average is or, or what they strive for? I'd say the average is probably about 2 to 3%. Okay. So why is that? Who created that? That that I have no idea. So it's funny because I think I agree with you. The majority of orthodontists we talk to, that's, that's the percentage they aim for. And the question is why? You know, when they have unused capacity in their office, why not up that? You know, it's certainly less expensive to spend that money on marketing than having open chairs while you're sitting in your office, particularly if you're trying to grow, which most of the practices that we talk to are, are trying to fill their new patient exam slots. So, you know, we allow, and we don't we don't use it all, but we allow up to a 7% uh, budget, uh, 7% of, of last year's collections. Um, typically, we don't use all that because it's, it's a ton of money. But, you know, what, I, what I'm always confused by is, you know, orthodontists who are so proud of this low marketing budget yet are, are fighting for new patients. And it's, it's no secret now that, you know, increased marketing leads to more new patient consults. You have to market in today's yeah. day and age. And I'm not saying waste money on things that don't work. I'm saying track your return on investment closely, work closely with a marketing uh, firm that you feel comfortable with and, and see what works. And what do you feel some of your better ideas have been or your best return on investment? You know, our our best return is is always things we do in the community. It's very hard to find a direct return on that, but you know, through our foundation and through our orthodontic practice, uh, we do uh, multiple community events per month. Uh, we are always donating to causes that are important. Not only donating uh, financially, but by donating with our time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually building uh, two houses for people uh, who couldn't afford it coming this month. We're really excited about wow. that. 
Uh, like I mentioned, we've, we've put on a carnival to raise money for childhood cancer awareness in Pensacola. So what we find is getting involved in our community has been our certainly the best thing we do. Whether there's a return on it or not, it's the thing I think that we're most proud of. So tell me a little bit about these homes you're building. Yeah, uh, it's through Habitat for Humanity. Uh, because we have so many people, they, they wouldn't allow us to do it all in one day. So uh, they said split it up. Well, we said, well, if we split it up, we want to build two houses. And <laughs> they said, okay. So we haven't done it yet, but we are uh, going to build two houses from the ground up. We're obviously going to have some help from the organization. Uh, and people are going to be living in those houses who couldn't otherwise afford their own house. That's really incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, Ben, tell our listeners a little bit about this Fishbine Fundamentals course. Yeah, so we've had many visitors to our practice at this point. It's, you know, somewhere between four to 500 uh, visitors between orthodontists and team members. And we wanted to organize the information a little bit better. It was getting a little bit out of hand. So we've created a, a small in-office course where we have a limited amount of uh, attendees uh, that, that we bring in who can actually come into our office, see our systems, and then we actually review our systems uh, with, the, with the attendees. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, what I love about the Fishbine Fundamentals course is sort of like an, an all-access, behind-the-scenes, backstage pass to what goes on. I mean, you actually bring people in, and you're seeing patients. Yeah, we don't hide anything. We're very transparent, um, and you know, we show you exactly what we do every day, and then we try to you know, at least explain why we do the things we do, why we have the systems we have in place and our, our justifications for them. And, and this is not meant to say, hey, you know, it's our way or the highway. It's just kind of showing you, you know, this is what works for us and this is why. So, uh, again, I've, I've known Ben a long time. We've known each other since residency, for better or for worse. And um, what I've noticed about Ben over the years is he, he has a couple superpowers, right? And uh, one of them, one thing I've always admired about you is you don't really talk about yourself as much, but you like to ask a lot of questions. And it doesn't matter who you meet, you typically will start almost like interviewing them with 20 questions. And, and when did you start this? Because I don't remember you doing that as much in residency. I didn't know I did that until you just told me I did that. So I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just uh, genuinely interested to, to hear about you and uh, depending on who I talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I think it's a superpower is I think a lot of people tend to talk about themselves, but you're sort of a sponge. You just absorb all this information and you talk to so many doctors throughout the country who come to visit your practice and you're really sort of just gathering all this information. I, I, I see that brain sort of. That's ticking. why they're here. I'm learning from them. <laughs> I tell them that up front. I say, look, you know, it's uh, the course is uh, it's the fundamentals course, but we're learning from you just like you're learning from us. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. It's really an exchange of information and not just you presenting your philosophy, the fish philosophy, if you will. So your other superpower is you are like the master uh, brander and marketer. And, um, you know, I remember seeing this sort of skill in you as a, a resident. What are some of your more successful branding marketing ideas? And then maybe what are some of uh, the failures or what, what didn't work for you? Oh, man, lots of failures. Uh, and I can't take all the credit for the marketing. I showed some slides today of, of uh, some of the marketing I did myself, which was very, very poor. And fortunately, I was smart enough to um, work with some uh, incredible marketing groups. Uh, Enox Media and Hip Creative uh, have, have done some of two my branding. Yeah, yeah. Two, two amazing companies, two companies I, I would certainly... Um, talk with if you're if you're looking for a marketing company uh we we use both of them um i've made some great friendships uh there as well 
But in terms of the stuff that have it hasn't worked, I, I have plenty of that, so... Let's get into that. So tell the story of Snowy for our listeners. So Snowy, we tried the ice cream truck idea, which has worked so well for so many practices we, we, we have heard of. And, you know, you would think Florida, it would be a no-brainer, but it just did not work for us. I don't know if it was the type of truck or that our team members hated it or what, but we... Uh, we say R.I.P. Snowy. That was that was the name of our truck. Uh, may may the may the ice cream truck rest in peace. I remember when you told me, "Hey, we're going to get an ice cream truck," and you know, I was like, "Okay, you know, I'll sort of go with this." But you did catch quite a bit of uh, crap from from our uh, friends about it. And uh, so, where did you find this ice cream truck? So we found it on eBay. It's actually very difficult to find a classic ice cream truck. They don't make that that model anymore. And I was going for that classic ice cream truck look. You weren't going for like a creepy one? (laughs) Well, it was creepy. I promise you. Uh, It it, it looked creepy after we, we wrapped it. And so you're talking about a 15 year old uh, utility vehicle that did not drive well. I made two of my team members go drive somewhere and pick it up. And they, you know, it's a few hours away. Little did I know that the truck only drove uh, 35 miles per hour uh, at a top speed. So uh, they they were not happy with me. Uh, fortunately, no one got got hurt. But it was uh, it was it was interesting to say the least. L- looking back, it probably was a little bit of a liability issue. Oh, uh, I, now I would never. But you know, back then I had nothing to lose. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another superpower of Ben is his master delegation. And I, I know that sounds a little funny, but. You're very good at at not trying to do everything yourself. That's a fault of mine. I think it's, uh, you know, I definitely fall into that perfectionist, orthodontist uh, persona. And you've always been so good about empowering people, making your team members feel very uh, appreciated. Where did this come from? I don't have a good answer for you there. I I think it comes from my team members. I I saw how talented they were and how much better they were at me at doing everything other than the orthodontics. So, you know, what I say, at least for myself, is orthodontists are good at one thing, and that is orthodontics. All the (laughs) other admin duties and marketing and HR, I promise you there's somebody who is probably better at it than the orthodontist. I think you're absolutely right on that. And, you know, kudos to you for being able to sort of recognize that and step out of the way, because probably the number one thing preventing orthodontists from growing their practice is themselves, right? Just being in in their own way. For sure. I think orthodontists certainly get get in their own way and they they limit themselves based on their mindset. Right. How about we talk about the Fishbine Foundation? I know it's something you're very proud of. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about that. So we uh, we committed, um, I guess it's been a couple years now, we committed a couple years ago to uh, provide a million dollars in free braces to uh, children who needed it but couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And we've reached out to schools to let them know we do this. We've reached out to dentists and pediatric dentists to let them know if they have a patient who can't afford it. You know, we have a foundation that will cover it. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, we, uh, we're going to accomplish this goal within three years. And we set, it out, awesome. so set out a goal to be, really to be awesome. five years. So I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue it. And it goes deeper than that. It's not only braces, but we've, we've committed, um, you know, a certain amount of funds to helping out the community. We held a carnival 
for Rally for Pensacola, which is to create awareness for childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the carnival, we raised, uh, at one event, we raised $15,000. We, we were super you know, proud about that. We also help out the Pensacola Humane Society, where uh, we have a, adoption events and actually a portion of every uh, start or uh, you know, push, uh, patient we put braces on. Uh, we, we make a donation to the Pensacola Humane Society. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So tell me, do a lot of these patients have state insurance or Medicaid to begin with, or maybe they just don't qualify for it? Or Yeah, I mean, a- it, it's all over the place. Some of them, um, you know, they, they have that insurance and it, it won't qualify, or just somebody who, you know, for whatever reason in their life right now, they, they can't afford it. Um, but you know, we certainly want to want to help out as many people as we can. And tell me about your anti-bullying campaign. So the anti-bullying campaign: if a patient will write a letter to us, letting uh, letting us know about you know what what they're going through now, um, you know, it allows us to put them as as part of the foundation. So if they're getting bullied about their teeth, uh, we certainly don't want them to have to go through that and. You know the ways I'm able to give back. I, I feel like this is this is the way I'm I'm best at at giving back to the community uh, yeah. through, through through this foundation. I think it's awesome thing. Did you come up with this idea, or was it your team? I, this is one I, I came up with, but my awesome. team took it to a whole new level. That's whole awesome. new level. Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your detractors because uh, certainly you have people out there that maybe question your success and say that. You know, Ben has just been so successful because he's in the middle of nowhere in Pensacola and he has zero competition and it's impossible to get to. And, uh, you know, and, and he just got lucky by finding Amanda Floyd. Uh, what do you say to those detractors? Yeah, they're right. Amanda Floyd, I did get lucky. She's amazing. <laughs> so that part is true. Uh, Amanda Floyd is amazing. I, I, uh, I'm certainly lucky that I get to work with her. Um, but what I can say is it's not true that I'm in the middle of nowhere and there's no competition. There are some just absolutely fantastic orthodontists around me, very talented, very brilliant. Um, and, you know, it's there's not there. There are orthodontists here just like everywhere else in the United States. This is not a ghost town uh, in, in terms of uh, saturation in the market. I, I would actually say it's probably fairly saturated. I think, you know, we were just able to um, – probably remove some of the obstacles that uh, cause patients not to be able to get braces. Yeah. So, Ben, tell me how you started your practice. So I bought a small practice uh, that had two, uh, two offices at the time, um, and I, I worked out of those. And then um, over the next six years, we opened up six additional offices. So now we have, we have eight offices. Uh, and we also brought on uh, four uh, orthodontists, so there's five of us now. Um, and uh, we had seven team members when we first started. Now we have 88. Wow. And um, work with some amazing people. We have multiple office managers, multiple treatment coordinators, uh, multiple directors who really do a fantastic job of, of getting things of getting things done. I know you've... You've had the chance to be in the office and, and see it firsthand. I definitely have. What impresses me is not only are things so organized in terms of checklists and uh, training manuals, but I'm just so impressed with the accountabilities because if you don't have the follow-up, people are going to start off doing things, and then you know how it is, right? So you know what we say, and, and we got this quote from uh, Bridget Burris, actually, is people only respect what you inspect. So if you're not inspecting it, 
they're not going to care. I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, they're not going to care. So we have checklists for everything. Everyone's going to sign off on all their duties, whether, you know, it's something as small as, you know, cleaning up the brushing station or something as big as, you know, following up with new patients. If they're not checking off on it and signing off on it, you know, how do you, how do you know they're going to do it? So I absolutely agree with what you're saying, Ben. So what do you think the difference is between sort of micromanaging and making sure people are accountable? Because I think that's a little bit of a fine line that some of us maybe struggle with. Yeah, good question. So micromanaging, I kind of see that in most orthodontic practices, whereas Mm -hmm. the doctor's trying to do everything, okay? Mm -hmm. Accountability is, you know, not necessarily looking over the person's shoulder while they're doing what they're supposed to do, but maybe you know, having them sign off on something or having another team member uh, kind of managing managing that team member. Or sort of maybe just doing an occasional audit or, or something. Sure, which we do all nature. the time. Yeah. So one of the things I loved about what Brittany S. said about you today was she described you as laid back. Is that how you would describe yourself? Or I think so. I'm pretty laid back. I think, I think yeah. most people would think. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I, think that, I think that works, again, with what we talked about, with, you know, your power of sort of delegation and empowerment. So, Yeah, you know, we, we have fun with it. I mean, like I said, the team members, they're better than me at doing a lot of these, uh, you know, projects and what they do. So I try not to get out. Of, I try to get the hell out of their way. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, so the topic I talked about today, uh, should orthodontists say, is – you know, we hear some we hear some crazy crazy things from them. One one of the things that I probably hate the most is when they say I only want to uh, I, I only want this type of patient. I mean, can you imagine any other profession in healthcare saying that? So, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, I, I'm only looking for a patient. I am uh, only looking for the private school kids. The private school kids, meaning just looking for the money top one, the top one percent of the population. Yeah, I you know it's. It's a little discriminatory, first off, right? 100%. And you, if you knew how many times we heard that, or telling us that they're getting bad leads from their marketing provider, it's, it's, it's frustrating. So, you know, you brought that up today. I thought it was a very good point. But uh, for our listeners, what, what do you think about a bad lead? Well, I don't think there is such. I think if somebody is attracting new patients to your office it's the responsibility of your office to create that into a not only a patient but a raving fan of your office you know i think that's a very good point and uh you guys talked about today how you follow up within five minutes of getting a lead maybe through facebook so tell me how do you go about that because it can't be easy right to respond that quickly especially maybe a off hours? Uh, of course not. So we have uh, developed uh, a bonus, and the way we do our bonuses is we bonus based on the behaviors we want to see at the time because our bonuses change every six to eight weeks. We, we change them pretty frequently. And the behavior that we wanted to see was following up on online leads quickly. Mm-hmm. So we created what, what we called the 555 bonus, which is you have to follow up in five minutes of an online lead. You get paid $5 to if you follow up within five minutes, and you get paid an additional $5 if uh, that patient uh, shows up to their appointment. That may not sound like a lot of money, but to somebody in our call center, if they're calling back 30 of those online leads, you know, they have the opportunity to you know, make significantly more than their hourly wage. Right, right. And you know, 
as a practice owner, it's fantastic because I know if they follow up within five minutes, it's going to bring a ton more production to our practice. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I've certainly experienced myself that we've gotten some Facebook leads and maybe respond uh, a couple hours later and uh, they seem to dry up. But Oh, uh, very good. I mean, think if, if, if you're not responding to them, all they're going to do is find the next person who will. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right on that. Hey, everyone. Just a quick thanks to two of our sponsors that help make this podcast possible. Serving orthodontists is the highest priority of Hip Creative. Specifically, Hip helps orthodontic practices who want to become authorities in their space by streamlining operations, refining patient acquisition processes, and plugging leaks in their practices. Due to COVID-19, HIP has created a specific strategy that enables you to serve new prospective patients with virtual consultations. In addition, HIP Creative is consulting with practices on virtual visits for existing patients. To find out more, visit hip.agency. The Aligner Intensive Fellowship is the world's most comprehensive and interactive course on aligner orthodontics. Set in a private online virtual classroom, the 12-chapter live dynamic textbook is reviewed over 17 weeks. In fact, you can earn 45 ADA CERP credit hours without traveling or closing your office. The next course begins April 27th. Please visit alignerfellowship.com for registration details. So let's talk a little bit about the um, orthodontic dynasty that your family is sort of forming here. And uh, I currently live in St. Petersburg, Florida, so I had a chance to uh, sort of get to know and befriend your your uncle, Dr. Jeffrey Miller, who uh, practices in Baltimore. But mm-hmm. I guess sort of uh, winters, if you will, or maybe uh, is a little bit, uh, what, what's the right word for that? Sort of snowbird? Yeah, yeah, sort of like a snowbird, right? Sure. Except he sort of goes in the summer, too, a little bit down to St. Pete. So he's just sort of like a bird, I guess. A Baltimore Oriole coming down, perhaps. Sure. Um, so, you know, I know he was sort of a big inspiration for you, right? Because your father, uh, like my, my dad was an ophthalmologist before he retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your dad still practicing? He's a gastroenterologist. He still practices. Yeah. And, and where does he practice? Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really took to Uncle Jeffrey and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about him. Oh, he's fantastic. Role model, mentor. Uh, when I was in high school, I did what we called a high school internship with him. So I'd spend my, half my high school days uh, in the orthodontic office. And I thought, wow, this, this is, looks fun and laid back. And it was something I, I knew I wanted to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now you actually have your youngest brother, Joey, in residency, University of Georgia, your cousin, Adam. And I believe you have another cousin, too, right? Uh, uh, Caitlin Miller, who uh, is uh, at Seton Hill. Seton Hill. And that's Jeffrey's daughter also? No, that's uh, Jeffrey's niece. Niece. Okay. So, I mean, this really is a dynasty. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We, we saw Jeffrey growing up, and uh, he, he was just, you know, successful, uh, a role model to all of us. So I think it, it really influenced us all. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So one of the things I loved at the course today is uh, you talked about new patient consults and, and doctor time, and, and you're sort of an advocate for a little bit of a, a shorter appointment. Uh, I believe you spend, what, about five minutes or less, maybe? A well, minute. patients, uh, you know, the quote, uh, I wish I spent more time in the doctor's office 
said no patient ever, right? <laughs> like I, I don't think ever, I don't think anyone's ever ever said that. And I think you know a lot of the time that uh, an orthodontist spends in that new patient consult is not for the patient's benefit, but but you know the doctor thinks that they have to sell the case, and it's certainly just just not not true. Um, you know what I found is you know the less time I spend in a consult. Typically, the higher my conversion rate, not because I'm not explaining treatment to the patient, but it's something that I think our treatment coordinator can do typically better than the orthodontist can. They can relate to the patient better. And I think what happens is most orthodontists, they end up micromanaging their treatment coordinator. They're not allowing them to do their job, which is to explain treatment, to coordinate the treatment. Um, You know, and not only is a treatment coordinator better at it than we are but it allows the orthodontist to see more patients serve more people so one of the reasons i think people come down to our courses because we have a very quick new patient exam process that allows us to see uh 33 plus new patients uh per office per per doctor and and the reason for that is the systems we've put in place that really rely heavily on the treatment coordinator and and a little bit less heavily on the doctor yeah. So I, for myself, I probably spend about 10 minutes in the consult and I know I, I try to, you know, maybe myself personally establish a connection with the patient or um, try to answer all their questions so they feel like I'm not rushing out of the room. But to be fair, I think one of the big differences with uh, Fishbine Orthodontics is that the patients are pre-sold with the amount of marketing and community involvement that you do. Uh, for example, when I walk into the Apple store, I'm already going to buy that new iPhone because I've researched it and, uh, you know, I've talked to friends who bought it. And I I feel that with Fishbine Orthodontics, that (laughs) these patients are coming in and they're pre-sold. So you guys don't really have to do much. Thanks, man. I I, I think uh, it's a little generous to to compare us to the branding of Apple. But um, But I think there's a lot of strength to your brand, right, that that you guys are known in the community. And, um, well, you know, I'd I'd like to think that patients have our uh, have their trust in us and, and our team. Uh, we've, we've been serving this uh, community and, and have served a lot of patients, and, and the majority of our, our patients come from uh, other, other patients and, and word of mouth. Yeah. Just for the listening pleasure of our audience, I do want to talk about a couple stories from residency, possibly some funny ones. Oh, boy. Um, so do you remember that you went through a period of time where you were really into magic tricks? By period of time, do you mean current or? <laughs> I, I, I still love magic, man. So, so what was your nickname in residency? <laughs> Stop, man. Maybe we're gonna edit this out. I, I don't think know. I know you can. You don't have to edit it. I think it. I think you called me the nervous magician. Hey, did I come up with that? I think you came up with that. Well, I, if I remember, so you would learn a new trick, and you probably practiced on your dog at the time or something. And then when it first that came, was the only person I had to practice <laughs> on. <laughs> when it first came to doing a trick, you know, there's, there's that element. I don't know what you call it in magic, but you know, sort of uh, the sleight of hand, perhaps. Sure. Where you're where you're trying to uh, you know pull the trick off, but you were so nervous about getting that part right that you sort of fumble it <laughs> yeah i was uh i i enjoy uh i enjoy magic i i try to do it on my two-year-old daughter now who's uh who's fairly impressed with it but i am not a uh, talented magician <laughs> yeah. you know one of your superpowers besides you know <laughs> you're able to talk to anybody you're an extrovert 
you kind of make everybody feel comfortable that you talk to is you are an amazing mixologist. Well, I, I try to hide that from people because I think I'd be a little too popular. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you could figure out a way to add mixology into your orthodontic practice, I think I think you'd have the top orthodontic practice in the in the United States. Well, of but, course, if we're just getting the parents drunk. I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, man, maybe you maybe you open up a orthodontic practice and and and, and a bar all, all in one, but. Uh, Chris would speakeasies. Yeah, set of speakeasies. Hey, I, I you we, know what? I, hey, can I invest? So, <laughs> Chris would uh, ha- have these parties, and uh, he'd invite all the all the residents and you know their their friends and family, and he he would make us the best drinks. I mean, better than we could find at any uh, at any bar. I mean, he he made these mixology drinks before they became popular. You you actually so what impressed me is you used to moonlight on the weekends in residency. I did. I, I worked as a general dentist in residency, and I, I would work. Uh, yeah, I would work on weekends and, and some evenings, uh, you know, to earn earn some income. Mm-hmm. So I remember. So we basically started uh, a fellowship at Jacksonville together. It was uh, four of us, and we sort of thought of ourselves, I guess, as like the Beatles, right? So it was, <laughs> it was myself, you, Doctor Scott Curden, who's in Kingsport, Tennessee and Dr. Jude Fairchild in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And we all started about the same time. And, um, you know, it just so happened that most of us, three-fourths of us, moved into an apartment complex called CityGate there in Jacksonville. You know, this is before we started the, the program together. I was like, this guy's one. This guy's in the ortho program. So I actually think I, I think I approached you. Maybe you approached me, but we didn't know each other. But we said, "Are you in the ortho program?" And it was a huge apartment complex. It was, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a little weird. Yeah. I think I thought your name was Fishbane at the time. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks it is still. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it definitely was a, a different lot time. less responsibilities. A lot less responsibilities. That's for sure. Um, we were also poor. We so. were also yeah. Poor. We were very poor. We were. We we're just yeah. living off loans, and yeah. we went to an expensive program. Yeah, we did. It yeah. Worth worth every penny. It worth every penny. We were talking about that today a little bit, right? Like, yes, it was a very expensive program, but if you look back on the return on investment, no, I would do I, it. I think, I would, I think we made I, out, right? I would do it again if they said it was double the price. So, yeah, well, don't give them ideas, please. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So again, with one of my terrible lead-ins, and I don't know how Lance Miller and, and Kyle do this, uh, or Glenn Krieger for that matter, uh, but I know you play a musical instrument. Uh, I play a little guitar. I play a little piano. I See, I remember residency, you played a lot of piano. I remember... I, um, I play a little you, piano. I know all the Disney songs that I can play for my daughter, so I know... On I know piano, do you? I, not all of them. I know, you know, mostly Frozen you know, I was surprised because I remember as a resident, you came over and I had two vintage keyboards at home. So I have a uh, vintage uh, Wurlitzer electric piano and a vintage Fender Rhodes piano. And uh, Ben just sort of sat down at the Wurlitzer and he broke out uh, Brick by Ben Folds 5, which, which is a really cool tune. That's right. Yeah. yeah wow. Can, I, can't believe, I can't believe you remembered that. But yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things I don't remember, but it's the weird I stuff. I don't know I why remember. you remember that. But yeah, you had not only did you have the best bar in town, you had the best... Uh, uh, I would say band set up in town. You had all those uh, vintage instruments, which, was, which cool. I could barely play. I no, mean, to, cool, to be fair, you play pianos much better than I well, do. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, you had, you had a cool setup. Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you like the show, please take a moment to click subscribe. I'd love to connect with you on social media, and please let me know if you have suggestions for future guests. Until next time, this is Chris Setta signing off.